Men say happy wife, happy life. Women say happy husband. Nothing rhymes with husband. Oh, well. All right. Um, happy Father's Day to you all. And we do value you. We honor you. We love you. We appreciate you. And on and on and on and on. All kinds of emotions rise to the surface on Mother's Day and more so maybe on Father's Day. Um, I read a story recently, news clip, about an organization going to a prison. They had the great idea to give inmates the opportunity to sign Mother's Day cards, and then they were going to come back on Father's Day. They showed up Mother's Day. They had all these cards, tables lined up. Um, all the men had to do was sign the card, write something to their mother. The organization would take care of everything else. There was obviously a very, very long line on Mother's Day. They came back excited for Father's Day. Hardly anyone showed up. Um, when I read that, it was just heartbreaking and reminded me once more how valuable fathers are. There is no question that uh, if dads had been in the picture in some of their lives, they wouldn't be where they are. The actor, the great actor Denzel Washington, uh, recently said that he believed that much of what's going on in the world is due to the fact of the uh, disintegration of the family and especially the dad. He said, myself, I had a great dad who gave, was a Christian who gave me direction for my life. He said, I had a couple friends. There was no dad in their life. They got into trouble, got into drugs, and so he was advocating for dads and, and how important they are, and they certainly are. All I can say is, I thank God for all you single moms that are here. Um, you do a great job. We uh, applaud you. But um, there may not be a man in the house right now, and uh, don't let one in unless you know it's God, but uh, there may not be one there now. But one thing is for sure, when there isn't a man in the house or a father in the house, God steps in and does miraculous things uh, to help you and help your kids. And I think that's even more motivation for all of us to do everything we can to win single moms to the Lord because they not only receive eternal life, but they see God step into their lives, uh, into their families, and into their children's lives. So, so how important is that? But we appreciate you dads. Um, maybe the emotion rising to the surface today is the fact that, like me, your dad's already gone on. He's already passed on. Or some of you, you were raised in a single-parent home without dad. And others of you, maybe dad was there physically, but he wasn't there emotionally investing in your life. Or maybe, maybe perhaps you don't even know who your dad is. But the good news, you're here, and if you know Jesus Christ, you've got a heavenly Father in heaven that loves you with an unspeakable love. Amen? Well, thank God for that. Well, talking about happy, happy Father's Day. What a great week to start out on it. Uh, Alice and I are planning, Lord willing, to be gone the next two Sundays and getting away. Pastor Johnny will pick up the series next week um, and talking about 
happy. Uh, and this message, um, it was presented to me like, okay, uh, what can women do to make uh, dad or wives do to make dad happy? Or what can children do? And, and that's vitally important. And maybe uh, today, that's one of the things you can do. Dad, what do you want to do? Uh, he may say, take a nap, and, uh, but uh, don't let him get away with that. Do more and celebrate him today. And so if the kids were to come, the teenagers were to come, say, Dad, what, what can I do to make this a good day? Um, he, would, he might say, well, uh, you can do uh, the same thing tomorrow and tomorrow and then the next day and the next. But uh, they would answer different ways to their children. And the same with the wife coming to her husband, the father of the children, and say, what can I do to make this a happy day and make your life happier overall? But then a few days ago, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, and this scripture came to my mind. And it was like, God, why would you, in relationship to this message, why would you bring this scripture to my mind? Uh, how many of you know that God knows more than us? And God knows exactly what will make all of us happy in Him. He knows the exact thing we need. For instance, before you were born again, you probably thought, uh, boy, I've, you know, I'm enjoying life. I like what I, uh, I'm doing here. And if I become a Christian, I have to give this up and this up, and I'm not going to be as happy. And then you came to Christ. You gave your life to Christ, and you moved over to this side. And you are now born again. All of a sudden, those things that you thought would not make you happy, make you happy. Uh, when you are born again, coming to church, you, it makes you happy. Being around other believers, it makes you happy. Uh, it, you didn't think giving would make you happy. But now, giving makes you happy. Yeah, yeah, 20% of you. All right, so, yeah, the online crowd. I know you're jumping up for joy and clapping and praising, but pray for these here, all right? So, anyway, uh, God knows what makes you happy. When you give, does it make you happy? Of course, a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. It makes you happy to give. Those things that you didn't think would make you happy now make you happy because the world looks different to you. You are different. And when it comes to Christ, if we will follow his word, if we will place ourselves at the center of his word, submitting to his word, saying, God, I know you have a perfect plan for my life. And you can move me from unhappy to happy. So we're going to talk today about the family structure and how God has designed it. He set it up to, for our benefit to make us happy as a dad, as a wife, as children, to make everything beneficial and flow smoothly. But these are verses that... Um, really would be attacked, seriously attacked uh, in society today. But for you and I, may God open your eyes if they're not open yet on these particular verses, but let's look at them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, But I want you to know, Paul writes, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of 
of woman is Ladies, the head, that's your part. The head of woman is? The head of woman is? Okay, we're just going to go on. All right, so anyway, and, and the head of Christ is? A little stronger. All right, so good. Now, it's talking about family structure. All right, family structure. And God has placed it that man is under him in the family structure then there is the wife, then there is the kids. Uh, there's got to be structure. Someone has got to be ultimately responsible, and God has chosen the man so that the man not only, uh, there is privilege, yes, but more than that, there is the responsibility to being accountable to God for who we are and the position he has put us in. Now, we move to Hebrews chapter 13, and it elaborates. Uh, I've always shied away, unfortunately, from this verse because certainly the Scripture deals with spiritual authority, but it also applies to the home. Now, before I get to it, let me say this is the structure of the home, God, man, wife, kids. In the kingdom of God, there, the Bible says there's male, neither male nor female, neither Greek nor Jew. We are all equal. It's equal submission in the kingdom of God. And God has elevated everyone, every race to the same level. Say amen. So that's in the kingdom of God. But in the family structure is this. The wife is not to usurp authority over her husband. Uh, just threw that in there. Okay, Hebrews 13, verse 17. The Bible says, obey. This is a great word. Obey. My wife loves to obey me. Aren't you men envious? All right, so, no, now think about it. Obey is a great word because Think about it in the context of Christ. When we obey Christ, there is benefit from obeying Christ. There's benefit from obeying the Word of God. There is a loss of benefit when we disobey. So let's put this verse in the context of family. And uh, ladies, this used to be in wedding vows uh, for the wife to promise to obey her husband. Somewhere along the line, somebody took it out. There's some women got together and took it out. I don't know who they are, all right? So anyway, obey those who rule over you. Now, don't think in the common sense of dictatorship. No, think of the context of God has placed the man to be accountable to God for that family structure. And uh, it means mutual con uh, submission, yes, to the wife. It means that I, as the head of my household, I ask my wife, I get her input, I want her input, but if I have to make the final decision, and it's uh, different than hers, I make the final decision. And the wife submits to that. She's going to submit to that. She's not going to fight me. 
She's not going to fight me. All right, so I'm telling you, she's uh, going to submit to that if my decision is different than hers, and her attitude will be, well, I, I hope you're right. We're going to pray that this works, but, but she's going to submit to it. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give, here it is, account. They must give account. Dads, every one of us have great privilege as a dad, but we must give account to who? To God. Let them do so with joy. So, for the wives, for the uh, children, uh, obey, submit. Uh, don't think dictator. Get that out of your mind, all right? Uh, think of someone who lovingly, like Christ, leads us, uh, and we pray for our dad. We pray for our husband. God, give them wisdom. We want them to be a leader. We want them to be the spiritual leader. And so we tell our kids, go ask your dad. Uh, when, I, when it involves spiritual things, if he's hesitant, hey, go ask your dad to pray for you. And so we elevate that position, not just the person, but the position. And it says, let them do so with joy and not with grief. If a man goes home every day to a family, nobody listens to him, nobody pays him any attention, it is grievous to him. But if he goes home and people are glad, everybody's glad to see him, the wife says, you know, honey, I love you, and she comes home too because she's probably working, and, and they work together to make that a household of love and respect and honoring one another. But the man understands, and everybody else does, that he is in a position placed there by God. So give, make him, let him do it with joy and not with grief. Well, when my kids were growing up, I tried my best to, to uh, both of us, to guard their minds and their soul. We didn't let them take a TV to the bedroom and keep it. You may have other opinions, and your kids may be fine with it. I didn't want them away for hours at a time. I wanted them out there with the family. I, didn't, I told them, I'm not, I'm not going to let you listen to secular music. And they didn't. As far as I know, in our house, they may have outside, but they didn't in our house. There's so many genres of Christian music, rap, uh, country, uh, rock, uh, whatever. It's, uh, they can pick and choose as long as the lyrics are Christian. Uh, so I tried my best, both of us, to guard them in that way. So we're responsible, Dad, uh, to watch over them. And one time my son, they may be watching, uh, he was like 16, good-looking kid. Uh, my daughter's beautiful, both of them. And he was uh, in service, and there was a young lady that had shown up to our church. Uh, didn't know much about her. All I knew is she was about 16, and she looked 24. And uh, she acted 24, if you know what I mean. All right, so anyway, very, well, you get the picture. All right, so anyway, uh, and I look over, and she's sitting next to him. It's like the devil himself has sent her to church to try to ensnare the pastor's son. And I look over, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I preach, and I've still got that on my mind. And I go into the altar. We call everybody to the altar. We're to pray. I glance over. They're gone. And I'm like, 
Oh, my Lord. I mean, I had such an overwhelming burden to pray. I began to intercede. Rebuke every devil in Orlando. Rebuke her. I mean, I began to rebuke everything and everyone. And uh, I, I mean, those people thought, boy, pastor's fired up tonight. I wasn't praying for them. I was praying for him. And so I was covering. Every once in a while, I'd throw out a nugget to them. But I focus was laser. It was laser focused on him. I'm like, I didn't, I was, I just felt this in my spirit. I prayed for about 30 minutes. I don't know if I'd ever prayed that long after a service before. But I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed with passion. And later, my son says to me, Dad, she wanted me to go to your office. And, and I'm like, what? And uh, my office. And uh, he said, yes. And I, I'm waiting. And he says, but dad, I told her I'm not absolutely going anywhere with you to do anything like you're suggesting. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The angels began to sing, and it was like joy, happiness. She didn't get him. (laughs) Devil, you lost this one. Oh, we have to watch over their souls. We are accountable to them. What if I just said, hey, boy, looks like he Got blessed tonight. Anyway, and so, no, dear God, have mercy. We watch out over their souls. Well, wives, let me say this to you. Wives, your husband has the right, as the structure of the family placed there by God, to talk to you about your issues. And you're like, what issues? (laughs) Your issues. All right, so, anyway. And he does so lovingly, kindly, tenderly, as well as you have a right, he should give you the right. Say, honey, you talk to me about anything, all right? You should have the ability to speak into his life. He has the ability to speak into yours. Don't get all up in his face, all right? So, And uh, if he goes to share, honey, you know, uh, don't get defensive. Oh, well, what about you? Uh, no, don't do that. He has the right. He's got the obligation to do so to speak into your life. And it results in a blessing when we honor each other in that way. Well, wives, uh, if, if you went to a lot of husbands and said, what would make you happy? Uh, some of them, now listen, don't get nervous. I'm not going to linger on this, all right? But if you were to go to some of them, they were, uh, to be honest with you, in private, um, Without a recording on, they would say, "Well, you know, I, I you know, I wish there was more uh, uh, intimacy." Okay, now let me tell you a story. It's supposed to be a true story, and when I heard it, boy, I thought, "What a nugget of truth!" Um, story is told is that a woman about 48, 49, I, if I remember correctly, was at her mother's house. Um, and they were having a chit-chat about life, and, and or the daughter brought up about her husband, and, and uh, she said, Mom, you know, I, I'm just not interested. I, I don't have any desire to continue uh, intimacy in our relationship. And the mother, who's about 70 years old, looks over and says, Honey, honey, why would you deprive him of something that makes him so happy and only takes such a few moments of time 
And when I heard that, I'm like, go, Grandma, go, Grandma. Dear God, have mercy. Is there a bundle of truth in that, Grandma? Some of you need to go see your grandma, all right? So anyway, have mercy. And so when I heard that, I thought, how, how wonderful. Now, you may say, well, there were issues in my past. And of course, I understand that. But God doesn't want you to be uh, spending the rest of your life affected by the issues of your past. He wants you healed, whether it's counseling, a doctor, whoever, a prayer closet for 24 hours. I don't know. He just wants you healed by the power of God and believe it because it's possible. Now, a friend of mine years ago said to me, he's a minister, said to me at lunch, and I about choked on my food. Uh, he says, well, Carl, you know, my wife, a, she's a godly woman. Um, but for years, no interest, no desire. But, and I'm eating, and I'm like, okay, what to, okay. Uh, God bless you. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't know what to say. I, I'm dumbfounded, and, and uh, anyway, I, I, but since I've thought, boy, you, you should have got the scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the first few verses, blown them up, put them on the refrigerator, put them in her closet, on the bathroom mirror, on the bedroom post, and let her read them. If she's a godly woman, she honors the word. She obeys the word. And life is going to be normal for you. Anyway, let's move on. All right, so uh, don't say, oh, every once in a blue moon, a blue moon is two years. All right, so forget that. So ladies, submission and counseling, or not counseling, but submission and honoring our husbands is a wonderful thing, and it's beneficial to you. My wife has learned this. I mean, there have been times that people want her to buy something, and I'm like, honey, you've got the answer. The answer is, I'm sorry, i got to check with my husband. <laughs> it's just that simple. Don't let, you know, honey, don't let them sell you anything unless, you know, if you, especially if you're hesitating. Just tell them. you got to check with your husband. And then when you come to me, I'm like, nope, not going to move, not going to happen. All right, so uh, it's easy. When you submit and, you know, they, you know, well, what about this? You know, that you really need this? No, i got to check with my husband. Got to check with my husband. Hey, I'm her Savior and uh, not real Savior, but anyway, I'm her Savior in those kind of situations. Uh, praying about these kind of things really works. How many of you remember years ago when they used to invite us to a, uh, uh, one of those uh, vacation uh, things, that packages where they gave you free gifts? Did anybody ever go? Uh, we went four times. All right, so anyway, uh, that was years ago when they didn't pay us as much. And so looked like free gifts and a few couple hours or an hour, they said, turned into longer. But I learned the secret. I learned the secret. Uh, I mean, they'd show you the pictures. You need this vacation uh, every year. You, your family needs it. It's only $38,000 and, you know, one million easy payments. And so you look at it and you're like, I, I just like, hey, man, I just came for the gifts, all right? So why don't we just close this up? But I learned the secret when they said, wouldn't you, well, you got an answer? Yes, we need to pray about it. We need to pray about it. And the first time I said that, the guy was like, oh, uh, I never heard that one before. Uh, I don't know how to respond. Well, I guess you need to pray about it. How long do you think it'll take? Not very long. Lord, uh, 
you want me to buy this overpriced thing that's not going to be worth anything in a few years? No? Okay, that's why I thought. He said no. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're moving on now. Take the gifts. We're out of here. Okay. Didn't take long at all. All right. So let me back up. Give you this one last. It is profitable to the whole family when the father is in the rightful place, honored and respected and even obeyed in the love of Christ. Now, I'm going to move to another verse uh, uh, that describes something that happened to Christ and what he said in Matthew 13, 57, 58. So they were offended at him. Jesus came to his hometown, to his own household. His family were, was there. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own, what? House. In his own house. There was no honor of him. They didn't fully grasp who he was and why he was doing what he was doing. They didn't honor that. Nor did he do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. In other words, because there was no honor, there were less miracles. There was less benefit. I'm here to tell you that if we don't honor the position of dead, there will be less benefit, less miracles that God intends for our family. If we don't place dead in a position, I'm not talking about him being perfect. Nobody, no father in here is perfect, none. And so we're not talking about that. We're talking about honoring the fact that God has placed him there. And um, so we are to honor and respect and value. If you don't value someone, you lose your affection for that person. Honor means high respect, great esteem. Some synonyms are satisfaction, joy, pleasure, happiness. Not just for the man, but for the whole household. When a man, you say, well, he doesn't do, and he does, but let's start honoring him first. Let's get our eyes off of what he doesn't do. Let's get our eyes on who he is in Christ. Let's get our eyes on the position he holds, and let's honor him in that position, and in a position of whoever and whatever. You may not agree, but you are to honor certain positions regardless uh, of their actions because you honor the office uh, of the dad. You honor the office of whatever. So let's make our dads happy. Let's value them. All right. Doing so is to our own benefit. Uh, Value yourself too, dads. Make sure you value yourself. Some time ago, the story was that a dad called his daughter in that had graduated and said, Honey, I'm going to give you a car. Um, I bought it years ago. It's in the shed. It doesn't look like much, does it? But he said, You can have this car, clean it up, take it to used car auction downtown, see what they'll give you. She did came back and said, Dad, said they'd give me $1,000. It was kind of worn out. Well, I'll take it to a pawn shop, see what they'll give you. Takes it. He said, Dad, they said it was real old, wouldn't give me but $100. He said, well, I'll tell you what. Take it to the auto club. She takes it to the auto club and comes back absolutely ecstatic, elated, and says, Dad, they offered me $100,000. Why? 
They knew the value of a Nissan Skyline R34, an iconic, rare, and very desired car. Didn't look like it. Most people, everybody put a value on it. The pawn shop put 100. The dealership put 10 times as much value. Those people that really knew the car put 100 times the value. Does that work out? Yeah. All right, so 100 times the value. Everybody put a value on it, but some who really knew the value put that high amount because they knew the value. There are a lot of people that look at dads, eh, 100 bucks, they're, they're worth something. A eh, thousand bucks, they're worth something. But people who through God's word and by the spirit know and understand the value, they will place this kind of value. There's another car of value. It was a 1970 Plymouth Superbird. Isn't that pretty? Now, most of them didn't look like this. The average car coming off the dealership, pretty plain Jane with a fin in the back. I actually, when I was about 16, I walked out of my classroom in high school and saw someone drive on the campus with a blue Plymouth Superbird. And I looked at him, look at that thing. That is so ugly. I didn't like it. I, didn't, I, wouldn't want it. I wouldn't have wanted it. But if I had only known what I know now, I would have said, I'm going to get a few thousand bucks together, go buy one of those. That's going to be my retirement one day. I couldn't have fathomed that. Because I didn't know the potential value. Richard Petty drove one of those in a race. It was the first aerodynamic car built in America. Um, and his, that car that he drove, the high bid on it at auction was $3.5 million. They didn't sell it because the floor was higher than that. Looking back, they probably should have. But... They knew the value. Somebody knew the value. $3.5 million. Not everybody knows the value of dad, but I think you and I do. I think you and I do online. Um, we're going to ask somebody to come. A dad this morning, Joel Ortiz, he's going to come join us on the platform. He's going to represent all you dads uh, and those of you online out in the atrium. He's going to represent all of you. Um, he's a valuable dad. Uh, I want him to, Joel, this is yours. You are a valuable man, a valuable father. We want you to sit down in that chair. Um, now, look at that picture. Five beautiful daughters and one good-looking son. And wife, but boy, look at that. You're a blessed man. Absolutely blessed. You're so blessed, we, you need a crown. Um, Christ said that he has called us to be priests and kings. We don't feel like it. 
If I say too many good things about you, you'll probably start thinking of something. Well, you know, I'm not, you know, I miss up here or there. You're not perfect, but you're a child of God who's a father who is honored by your family and by this church. We value you. Oh, boy, do they value you. But we do, too. We value you. Just like we value every father in this place. Every day, everyone watching, we value. So much so that we agree totally with Jesus. You're like a king and a priest unto God. We're going to let you wear this. And... But you, Dad, this is your crown, too. This is your crown, too. A crown of honor. We don't honor him because he's perfect. We honor him because you're a child of God. Uh, a dad called to a strategic position at a pivotal time to help lead and direct your kids, your family, with the help of your wife, of course. But God's going to hold you accountable one day. What a privilege, but an awesome responsibility, too. I close with this last story. There was a little boy by the name of Ben Hooper. He was born to an unwed young mother. And they happened to live in the hills of Tennessee many years ago. And during that era of time, especially out in the countryside like that, to not have a father or not know who your father is and to be an unwed mother was a, a thing of embarrassment. Um, could go on and on. I, I remember when I was a kid, somebody, a girl coming to the neighbor's house and they're like whispering, oh, she's pregnant, Adam. She's not married. I was taken back by their attitude. But that's what Ben experienced growing up. At three years of age, he was so ostracized that the neighbors wouldn't even let him play with their kids. On the weekends when his mom and he would go into town, people would literally ask, Who, whose boy is he? And so this caused Ben, of course, to feel rejected, inferior, go into a closet in his life and mine, go to school, kids wouldn't play with him. It was horrible. But when he was 12 years of age, he hears about a young preacher who came to town and was very loving, very accepting, non-judgmental, and that intrigued him, and he'd never been to church before. Why would he want to go? The same people that said what they said in town would be there. And so he decided to get there late, slip in the back, leave early. And that's what he did. And he walked in and he sat there as a 12-year-old boy and he felt something. He felt, of course, we know it's the Spirit of God, but he felt hope for the first time because before that moment, he had felt none. And he felt something. 
So he came back another time, slipped in late, slipped out early, sat in the back, and a third, and a fourth. And Ben said it was around the fifth or the sixth time he walked in the back of that church, sat down in the back that during the end of the service, before he could leave, there, were, there was something going on. He wasn't focused or was distracted, and all of a sudden he feels a man's hand on his shoulder. And a man's voice that says, whose boy are you? And the whole church gets silent as they're looking on to see what he would say. They've been asking that question for 12 years. And the boy doesn't say anything. And then that pastor said, oh, I know whose boy you are. I can see the resemblance. You're a child of God, boy. And at that moment, that boy of 12 years of age, his heart just leapt within him. And then that pastor, as that boy stood up, he tapped him on the back and he said, Boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and live it. 30 years later, just 30 years later, Ben Hooper was elected the governor of the state of Tennessee. Four years later, he was elected again the governor of Tennessee. And he said, on one occasion, I felt like, looking back, I was elected governor on the day I found out I was a child of God. Um, folks, you may not even know who your dad is, but if you're a believer, you've got a father in heaven. Your dad may have been absent, but your father in heaven has never left you. He's been there with you. And though I know it's somewhat different, yet he is an all-powerful one that can step in when others cannot. Dads are extremely valuable, and God knows that. That's what, why he's placed him where he has. We honor, speaking to you all dads, we honor you. We love you. We value you. you. You're worth more than a 70 Superbird. You're worth more than a Nissan R34 because they have duplicates. You're one of a kind. God bless you, man. Love you, buddy. Stand, dads. We want the dads to stand again. Dads all over the building, stand again. Uh, we're going to close it out with a prayer. Listen, maybe some of you, you don't have your kids here with you. Uh, I don't. My kids are spread out. So you can feel free to come to this front. But for everybody else, if you have some family members here with you that can pray for you, uh, I want you to just stand there, let your family pray for you. And we're going to pray over you also. But if you're a dad that doesn't have your kids here, or you're by yourself, you feel free to come to this front. Join me down here, and uh, my wife is going to step up. We're going to pray so. Family members, stand around them. Lay hands on them, if you will, please. Uh, feel free, as I said. Come down. Join us here at this front. And uh, we love you guys. We honor you. We have esteem for you. Um, ladies and, and young men and young uh, ladies, let's do everything we can possibly do to walk in God's Word that is going to make Him happy and therefore make all of us happy. 
as we enjoy together the benefits of God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for every father in this room. God, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. But Lord, today, I pray that we would understand clearly how much you honor us, how much you need us to be who we need to be in the family and in our community and in this church. Bless these men, God, with favor. Help them. If there's any in this building or watching online that do not know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray they would repent. They would ask your forgiveness of their sins. They would turn to you with all their heart, soul, and mind. Lord, I pray for that dad who the kids are already gone and there's guilt there in their heart. God, I pray that guilt be gone in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them to step up even now and be a blessing to their kids, praying for them, loving them, and reaching out to them as best they can by the direction of your spirit. Bless these men. Bless them, O oh Lord God, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give all of our dads again a good hand. God bless you, dads. God bless you, bless you. Pastor John, Pastor John is going to step up and make an announcement. You can remain standing, please. God bless you and happy Father's Day to you. We want you to know here that are in the sanctuary and at home that next week we will be taking communion together. Uh, so if you're going to be here, we look forward to taking it with you. If you're going to be at home, we want you to uh, just take a time to, to prepare and get some elements maybe uh, for the household so that we can take communion together as a community. Also, if you are a father, please don't forget that on the way out, there is a gift that is there available for you. We would love for you to have it. Also, if you're one of the people today that even during that prayer said, I want to give my life to Jesus. There's a number that you can text today, and that number is 407-275-8790. It also should be coming up on your screen. Text your full name there and let us know that you committed your life to Christ, and we would love to have you. God bless you all, and we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Happy Father's Day, and take care. Captain Trent, you don't know this about me, but my entire life has been set on the high seas. Mm -hmm. And being there, I've had some time to study weather, and I got some bad news. Okay, you studied weather. What's your bad news? You see all those clouds? Yeah. You feel that chill on the back of your neck? Ooh, I felt it. There's a big storm brewing, and it's gonna be a mighty one and we're not going to make it if we set sail. So we're going to need to stay here in town to be safe and protect the crew. You're right. We're going to need to hunker down so our ship isn't lost at sea. We have to tell the crew, but which of us is going to do it? Nose goes. Oh, come on, Captain Red. It's your crew. It is, but you're the weather expert. Oh, man. I'll call everyone. Crew. Crew, time to assemble! 
Hi, dear sweet crew. It's good to see you all today. Can Captain I? Trent has something very important to tell you. I wonder if we're going home. <laughs> okay. Good night, crew. You all looking mighty fine today. Yay. Um, we got some news about a setting sail. Uh, we're not going to be going just yet. We're going to stay here in town for a bit. You see, there's a big, mighty storm brewing, and we're going to have to stay here to stay safe. And sorry about that. I know y'all were looking forward to going home, but that's going to be delayed, right, Captain? Yes, I. I know some of you look a little upset, but don't worry. It'll just be a little delay, and then eventually we'll start our next adventure. Do you hear that? Ding ding ding! He's coming! Um, come here, young lady. He's coming! Uh, who is he? Oh, there's this man, and he comes and tells stories about like the past, and it's really fun. Oh, that sounds fun. Wait, See, it's not so bad. 